everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Thrive Infertility Podcast. I'm your host, Kathy Quillett, CEO of Tennessee Reproductive Therapy and the Quillett Institute. Thanks for joining me back here for another week. I hope that, you know, once this airs, we're going to have just gone through the anniversary of 9-11. And I don't know about you, where you were, how this stands out as significant, but I have just spent so much time reliving the events. I was in college and I remember being hunkered down in my dorm room or my apartment in LA, fearing what this meant for my safety, the country's safety, those that I love. And yes, I was on the other side of the world than the World Trade Center and the Pentagon in Pennsylvania, but I still felt like so many of us that it was in my backyard that as an American, it was my family, my people. And I just have spent so much time. And again, I don't know about you. I don't know about you, but spent so much time this last week, just remembering really the events of 9-11, where I was, who I was with, who I was holding close, who I was checking in with that day, but also the America on September 12th and 13th and the ribbons and the bows and the unity and the kindness. And just remembered so fondly those moments. And so, you know, I'm also really aware that for some people, they weren't on the other side of the country. For some of you, you might've known somebody, the secondary trauma that we experience as a country, maybe you experienced it firsthand. Maybe you lost somebody that you love. And for those of you who maybe were in those situations that were a lot more close to the situation than I, I, I just hold you close. My friend, I hold you so close because wow so many layers of pain and grief and just agony and despair. So if that's you, I stand with you and the bravery of you or your people. Um, and just hope that these last 20 years have brought you a little bit of healing and, um, yeah, I can't understand your pain, but I hold it close and I stand with you on it today. What I want to talk about is a different type of pain. I want us to go down the avenue of how do we get through pregnancy after loss, especially, you know, pregnancy after a miscarriage, stillbirth, ectopic, wherever you fall under that umbrella, the, the pain and the agony of that is so profound. I've shared on here before one of my diagnoses or circumstances in our infertility journey was recurrent miscarriage and recurrent miscarriage to me felt like holding my breath in every pregnancy. It felt like populating heaven more than populating earth. It felt like I don't even want to have sex because sex creates dead babies. And every time going into, so we had four miscarriages I actually think that I have five. One of them, I think was a chemical. Um, But what we have noted and remembered and recalled, and I went through the experience of losing was four of them. And I remember the first and feeling like pregnancy loss happened to somebody else. I remember thinking I am, I'm actually a rainbow baby. You've probably heard me talk about that before. My mom had a stillbirth before me and I felt like that stillbirth 
was the quota of pain reproductively for our family. I thought she was the statistic. She also had two miscarriages and I thought she was the statistic and our family was just good. And because she had been through that, I thought naively that happens to somebody else. So the first pregnancy, when we had made it 10 weeks, I thought we are golden. I'm a quarter of the way there. Naivety, innocence said, I'm having a baby. We need to get the nursery ready. And like so many of us, the shock and bewilderment that comes when, you know, maybe it's at four and a half weeks, maybe it's when the embryo doesn't transfer. Maybe it's when, you know, you go in with a kicking baby to deliver and the cord comes out wrapped around the baby's neck and it doesn't survive. Whatever your moment was, if you're listening to this and thinking, I fall into the category of the infamous hashtag, I had a miscarriage or pregnancy loss or whatever, you are so familiar with the shock and pain that is knowing that people don't always survive the womb. Even saying that statement, that there are people who we love and prepare for and desire that don't survive the womb. We as women feel like we have this innate sense that we need to keep those who have been entrusted into our womb safe. And if our womb is not a safe place, then we have done something wrong. Then we are inadequate women is the lie. Inadequate mothers, because we cannot, like there's any control over it, right? We cannot keep babies alive inside the womb. It's just painful, right? To know that in our body, that our womb becomes a tomb, our womb becomes a tomb. And that is so painful. You're like, calf, stop eating a dead horse here. Like, we know that it's painful, but I want you to hear like, it's, if you're feeling like I'm shaking to my core right now, it's some part of my life because my story is this, you're held sister. Your pain is so dang valid that it feels paralyzing. It feels crippling. It feels like I can't do this anymore. I remember going back to my OB who was the one that wrote not pregnant with me. Um, and I remember her saying, I don't know why this pregnancy didn't work out. It is just crazy to me. I thought we were good. Certainly, you know, you just fall into that like random category of one and four, you're going to be fine. At that point, all we knew was that I had endometriosis, nothing else had been diagnosed yet. And so we thought, you know, wait a couple of weeks and get back at it. You got pregnant in the normal time. Everything looked great. I saw the heartbeat a couple of times. Everything was great until it wasn't great. Certainly it's going to be great next time. I remember after pregnancy number two, her looking at us, well, let me back up after pregnancy number one, she looked at Tyler, my husband and said, you think she was crazy this last time, crazy, meaning anxious, hypervigilant, whatever, like we all are right. You think she was crazy this time. Just wait till next time. And Tyler was like, 
I, I don't, I can't even imagine what I'm in for. I remember going back to her the second time and her, her hug being a little bit more like, I get it. This is really hard. And her saying to Tyler again, Tyler, just be, be really aware of next time. Be really aware of next time. Cause it's just going to be really hard for Cass and you guys are going to have a really hard time. I remember the, the embrace got a little bit stronger the third time after our third loss. And she said, you guys, I'm just so sorry. I don't know what's going on. We're going to run the panels. We're going to do the whatever. And we're going to make sure that you're okay. But I'm just really sorry. I hope this works out for y'all. At our fourth pregnancy, her embrace lingered. And she said, I'm just, I'm sorry. You guys might want to look into other options. At this point, obviously, I had accumulated other diagnoses along the way. Polycystic ovaries. I wasn't getting pregnant without Clomid. And I had what we now find out to be adenomyosis. And so one of those miscarriages, if you're like, hey, I've never heard this story before. One of my miscarriages actually bled into my uterus instead of out, causing my uterus to be a wet, soggy sponge sitting on my pelvic floor. Okay. So that's where our story, well, my story actually ended with a hysterectomy, but that's where our pregnancy journey ended. So I remember in the middle of it feeling like this was at the end of our third miscarriage. I remember thinking, you know what, we're going to try again. And I know how this movie is going to end. I know it's going to end with no heartbeat. Not that I was like negative. And for those people who are like, you've spoken into existence, I didn't, you know, right. When you know, you know, and when you have multiple miscarriages, you're like, I just know. And I remember getting pregnant and thinking if this tiny human's life is only a matter of weeks, I'm going to live a lifetime with this baby. So I was still was on like that PCOS diet and I was walking 30 minutes a day trying to help like my insulin levels and whatever. And I would take the baby on a walk and be like, oh my gosh, babe, like, look, you know, we walk over a Creek and do you see the little tadpoles? Mama's going to take you there. And when you get older, we're going to buy some rain boots and you're going to go splash around in there. We would go to work and I'd be like, baby, look at the fall trees. Look at the snow. Isn't this beautiful? Like, bud, what are you craving today? Mama's craving a pizza. Are you like, okay, baby, let's go have a pizza. The cheese is the best. I incorporated the baby into everything. And you might think, well, that's crazy. Why are you attaching? My attachment to that pregnancy didn't hurt me more. But 12 years later, 10 years later, what I do is I look back at those pregnancies and say, like, first one was, a, was awesome because I had all the promise and hope in the world. Second and third ones, those were the pits. I don't even know if I took a breath. I remember pacing. I remember almost being like catatonic in my living room. Like if I don't move, it's not going to hurt that bad. But when I look back at the pregnancy that, that was the sweetest, the pregnancy that felt like I lived the best life with the baby was my fourth. It was with us for seven weeks, but you know what? The memories that I accumulated with this baby, with that baby, maybe there's two, I don't know, with that baby was so sweet, was so loving, was so nurturing. I got to be a mom. I got to be a mom in the sense that like nobody should only get to be a mom for seven weeks in utero, right? It didn't kick. I did see the heartbeat. 
I didn't experience any real cravings. They were all probably in my head. But I got to be the baby's mom and we lived it really well. Some people will come to my office um, at Tennessee Reproductive Therapy and say like, you know, I had this miscarriage or you helped me through this miscarriage and we want to try again. Or we're going to go do our our, uh, IVF transfer again and I'm nervous. And here's what I'll say to what I say to those people and what I'll say to you. Trying to conceive after loss or pregnancy after loss, what we need to do is we collect milestones, right? Pregnancy after loss, when you get pregnant after loss, it is tough to say I'm having a baby. It's tough to say like, oh my gosh, next this time next year, I'm going to have a three-month-old. But you know what we can say? We can say my body achieved pregnancy. People around you might be able to support you and hold you up and say like, oh my gosh, you ha- you're having a baby. When maybe all you can do is muster out the words and say, I'm pregnant. Because it's scary to jump all in. So here's what we do. We collect milestones, right? We try to conceive. And our first milestone is just having sex. And we, we have sex and we do it in the appropriate window and we do the two week wait. And let's say that the pregnancy test says that you're pregnant. We're not getting the car seat in the car and putting our go bag in there or planning what nursery we're going to make for the baby. Our milestone that we're celebrating is the fact that you got a positive pregnancy test. We're not going to react to anything else. We're not going to assign emotions to anything that's going to happen at week 10, 20, 30, or 40. We're just going to say, I peed on a stick and it was positive. I'm living fully and completely in this experience, not going backwards in my memory. And I'm also not going to catapult myself so far into the future that I can't breathe. Okay, so let's say we, we have that positive pregnancy test and then we go in for an ultrasound. And because we've just had a loss before this, maybe we get in at six weeks, maybe IVF says six weeks and we see the baby's heartbeat. We are then going to celebrate the fact that baby had a six week heartbeat. We're not gonna celebrate the end of the first trimester. We're not gonna assign emotions to what it would feel like at our gender reveal. All we're going to say is I had a positive pregnancy test and I lived completely there. And we're also going to say we saw the heartbeat and I'm going to live completely there. That might mean telling a couple people. It might mean that you rub your tummy and say, oh my gosh, we did this. But it's not saying that I have to jump ahead and I have to fear what's going to happen like it did last time. That's going to obviously happen you're going to experience some fear. But what you can also do is say, I'm going to live completely in this ultrasound and be all here. If I'm collecting milestones, my most recent milestone is the fact that I saw a heartbeat at six weeks. And until I go back in for my eight-week scan or my 10-week scan, I am going to live completely in the fact that the last news that I received was positive. Does this make sense? And then once we go in for that next scan, obviously for the first couple of days after your, your previous milestone that you've collected, your shoulders are going to loosen. You might breathe a little bit deeper. You're going to feel like I got this a little bit. And then you're going to become a little bit more tense as you creep into the next milestone that you have to get through. That's normal coping skills, mindfulness, diaphragmatic breathing, 
distraction in the, in the sense that you're doing stuff with the baby, not distracting in the fact that you're avoiding emotion. Okay. But you go into that next milestone and if it's good, when it's good, let's just speak that right. When it's good, you live all there again. And as you collect milestones, you get closer to the destination of 20 weeks at the anatomy scan. You get closer to viability at 24 and you can celebrate those. And then you can get closer collecting these milestones to when you actually get to put the car seat in the car, to when you have your shower and your gender reveal, and when you get to put the go bag in the car and when you get to bring your baby home. Each one of these is a milestone instead of holding your breath for 40 weeks. As you collect each milestone, you live completely there, but you also are allowed back into the experience of pregnancy. Now, at the beginning of your journey, I want you to think about what milestone you need to reach before you feel like you can breathe. Do you need to just make it past what you did last time? If you made it to nine weeks, will 10 weeks be when you breathe a breath of fresh air? Will it be the anatomy scan when you see that everything's okay? Will it be 24 weeks when you achieve viability? You know, I posted something on Instagram the other day. I don't know if you saw it, but I said pregnancy after loss or trying to fertility after loss, let's say, is not just waiting the two weeks. It's waiting 40 weeks, right? That's what we're doing. We're trying to be completely oriented, being completely present in our life, hopefully getting to a place where you can say, I'm pregnant and I'm happy. So many people say, I'm going to be pregnant or I'm going to be happy when I bring home the baby. What if the goal is to find spaces of happiness along the way? You, let's say you get your, your 13 week, um, scan and you're like, I made it out of the first trimester. I've never done this before. I'm celebrating a milestone. So I'm buying myself a pair of maternity pants or I'm buying the baby. It's first onesie. Or I'm going to book the baby moon, maybe not in COVID, but you know what I mean, which allows you to celebrate these milestones in a way that you also get to show up and be more present in your pregnancy. I feared for myself, and I know I'm not alone, that those experience a pregnancy loss and are pregnant after, that they're going to get to the end and regret not attaching to the pregnancy, that they're going to regret not being present enough in the pregnancy to have enjoyed it. That is a big fear. Almost unanimously, there's exceptions to every rule. I hear people on my couch after they have had a miscarriage say, I regret not bonding with the baby. I was too scared And I regret not showing that baby love. I only got it for 10 weeks. And that baby, if that baby could have felt rejection, it never felt loved by me. I regret not enjoying it while I had it. I regret not loving it while I had it. I regret not being present with it. I regret never celebrating it. I hear that almost 100% of the time. Let's call it 95. That's totally anecdotal. But for the people that can get to the place of, I lived well with it, there is 
it makes the experience hard, sure, but there is gratitude ab uh, about it. And you know what? I have yet to hear somebody say that bonding with a pregnancy made grief harder. It's always my apathy towards the pregnancy made it worse. You shoot me a message if you feel like it was the opposite for me. I'd love to know that experience. And I'm sorry that that's your pain. You do what your self-preservation says that you need to do. But my encouragement to you, as my encouragement to my past self or to my clients is, collect those milestones. Be present with them. Celebrate them when they come up. You might only get a few milestones that you get to celebrate. And I hate that. I think life's biggest cruelty is burying a child. But another great cruelty is never getting the, to say hello to the child that passes away. It's absolutely excruciating. If you need support and you're in Tennessee, look us up at Tennessee Reproductive Therapy. My team is fantastic. Okay. If you need support outside of Tennessee, look me up at thequillainstitute.com. I'm absolutely happy to support you through this journey. It's hard. It's hard. It's hard to show up in. It's hard to be present for. It's hard to be excited for. I get it. I had to do a lot of work around it, as do all of us. We should never have to mourn somebody who doesn't survive the womb. But unfortunately, that's, that's life. It's generational curse, whatever that might be. Here's what it's not. It's not a reflection of your inability to mom. It's not a reflection of your ability to be a mother ever. It's a life's, a cruelty of life. It's a pain of life, but it is not a reflection of who you could be as a mom or who you will be as a mom. If you need support, let me know. I have a great podcast coming next week. I love me some Tara Bradner. She is a fertility coach, but she helps people from uh, the physical side of it, how to prepare your body for pregnancy um, and how to help you really through fertility and ask really the hard questions of your provider. She works a lot with providers. We are going to talk about all things polycystic ovarian syndrome. Um, PCOS was part of my story as it is for so many people and it is painful and it is just gross to be in that body sometimes. Um, I, you know, I love the pictures now going around of normalizing the body types of PCOS, normalizing the, the difference in stories and how your body carries polycystic ovary syndrome. 10 years ago, we had such a negative uh, picture of those with a PCOS body or somebody that is struggling with this. And I feel like the work and the narrative and the stories that have been told in the last decade have, have really helped shape us and normalized this diagnosis, but you know, we have a long way to go. And that's why I want Tara to come in and, and talk to us about it. Um, here's what I'm going to say. Email at Kathy at Tennessee reproductive therapy.com. That's C-A-T-H-I-E. If you have questions about PCOS that maybe you would like Tara to answer, um, hit me up on social media or shoot me an email and I'd be happy to have her address those in our podcast. If you're thinking I have PCOS, I don't like my doctor's treatment. I want to know what Tara thinks about the protocol that I'm on or whatever you guys, she is affordable and accessible and quality. I guess I should pimp her out a little bit more next time, but, and I will, 
Um, but she's great. So I hope that you'll come back and join us for that podcast. Do me a favor. Will you like this and share the podcast? This exists in these spaces because people like, and subscribe and, and continue showing up and inviting friends. So thanks of you for you who are doing that. Um, I hope that this is a resource for you, um, that provides you a little bit of an, of an encouragement to thrive in the middle of your story. All right, go collect some milestones, go thrive, and I'll see you next week. Bye, y'all.